0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein, here with Pam Pibas, ASCII-certified inspected, inspector, I'll get it right, at Inspect It Like a Girl and licensed contractor Jeff Simmons from Houseworks. Memorial Day is almost here. Nothing worse than being the person in the neighborhood that nobody likes. So, um, go ahead and mow your lawn. There might be an issue if you can't get it started. So, today, we welcome back our small engine guy, Andrew Hitchcock from Fondren Small Engine Repair. We're going to talk about all the stuff that gets your lawn done this weekend. Join the conversation with us by calling this morning at 877-MPB-RING. It's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. How are you guys doing this morning?
1: I'm awesome. I got a question for Andrew, but I first want to talk about walking on my roof yesterday.
0: Oh boy! You know, I heard this story a little bit earlier. Go ahead. This is freaked me out. Go ahead.
1: Oh no 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 no. This is um, I I I took Jeff's uh, advice and I had a roofer come over and take a look at my roof because everybody in the neighborhood was getting a new roof. Oh. Yeah. And right. I, I felt left out. So, so
2: Pam has roofitis now. Uh, yeah, I got right?
1: roofitis, and so I called a roofer who came over, and you know, I there's this big thing that that builders and home inspectors don't get along, but I I just beg to disagree with that.
2: Oh, I disagree with that wholeheartedly.
1: You know, because I learned so much by hanging out with builders and roofers and any chance I get to spend some time with them. So this guy's on my roof, and he's got some chalk, Mm -hmm. and he starts marking it up. And I'm like, what's that mean? What's that mean? What's that mean? And so he was showing where in wind damage mm-hmm. the shingle will flap up mm-hmm. and it causes a crease. So he ah. would take the chalk and he'd run a crease across and run a line across it. Interesting. Hail will cause a divot. like a, a divot. Right. And you can take your finger and press on it and if it compresses mm-hmm. then it's probably it's a strike. Right. So he would put a parenthesis around that and I think he was putting Was it an H there, Jeff? Do you know? Probably,
2: for hail. For
1: hail. Right. See,
2: uh, hail and blisters look similar.
1: Similar. And so that was what I was going to say next. So then I saw a place where you could see the underlay under it. And I asked him, I said, well, is this not a hail strike? And he goes, no, that's a blister. Right. And so he put a circle around huh. it and put a B on top of it. And I thought, this is great. So I was, I know I was probably, they were like, well, I wish she would go away so we right, could do right, our job. We work.
2: Now, now, blisters are not going to be covered on your insurance. They are not. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a product defect. Or, or, yeah, well, let's don't call it a defect on the product. It's a defect, but it could be, in most cases, it's caused by uh, poor ventilation.
1: Right.
0: Okay.
1: Right. So wow. it was such an interesting – and then the – he had already been over there once and done it. That was a couple of weeks ago. Well, then the insurance guy shows up. So all three of us are on the roof. Oh, boy. <laughs> so then I started asking the insurance guy, well, what, what is this, and why are you not marking that? and why, Okay, wait a minute. My roofer said that this was – and you didn't mark – Two you know, different
0: people, boy. Yeah. Two completely well, different people. I tell
1: you, it was awesome, though, because – and it, just kudos to these roofers and builders, because they made arrangements to meet that insurance adjuster. Well, it I, wasn't the adjuster. It was the insurance inspector. Right. That's
0: a, that's a fantastic idea. It's amazing, because if you think about it, remember, those two people are there with completely different motives. You know what I'm saying? mm mm-hmm. one, one wants you to get a new roof, and one is decidedly not wanting you to get a new roof. <laughs> so,
2: so did you get a roof?
1: Well, he has to send it to um the inspector that was there was going to write a report with all the photographs, and so you know, I just asked I said, and of course, then I've got my inspected like a girl car in the driveway right
0: right <laughs>
1: so I like, so what did you get pictures of And he had Dings on metal. Oh, good. Um, Yeah, there were dings on the gutters and on the metal caps, and there were Mm pops in the roof and, you know,
3: wind damage. You're going to get a check for a roof.
1: Well, I looked at him and I said, what are the – and this is like someone asking, you know, somebody will ask Jeff and I, well, how much is that going to cost? Well, that depends. Right. And so they were right on script. 'cause I was like, you think I'm gonna get a new roof? Well I don't know. It depends. Don't know yet. <laughs> right? yeah. it, it's the pencil pusher.
0: Right. It's well, basically gonna, it's gonna get make past that, the accountant.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's gonna make that decision. So um anyway, it was it was a great process. Good. So Good. I really Good. I, I would recommend to the you know, to our listeners mm-hmm. is kind of follow that order.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the last do exactly what Pam did. Call a qualified roofer to evaluate your roof to see if you have hail damage because if you file a claim with your insurance you have a claim even
0: if you don't have a claim right, right. yeah whether you go through with that or not still on your record well, it's a claim
1: I, and i want to talk to my insurance people because i'm like i've lived in this house 30 years so well you only get two claims
2: so <laughs> right. yeah no in, insurance is not a savings account right, right. what right. What, if, what if what if you live there one day and it burnt down
1: well, but what I'm saying is that then a, a lot of people move every four or five years. Right, that's true. And so then they get to start over. They get a do-over when they go to another house. Right. <laughs> I don't get a do-over because no. I've been there for so no.
0: long. No, I do. I do hear no. the pain, though. It's the, it's the pain of all insurance, which <laughs> is I paid this money, and if I don't need it, it just floats into the but, air. But you used it. Right, right. Oh, you I'm did confused? use it. It's
2: security. No, even if you never file a claim, you use that insurance.
0: Yeah. It's not a
2: savings account.
0: Yeah. Right. All right. Uh,
4: so, hi. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm good. Hey, I love to talk about roofs. Here's my problem. I got <laughs> I got a 100-year-old terracotta roof from nice. my house in Fondren. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh, it's it's, it's a, a big house. It's a big roof. So, we had a storm come in a few oh shoot like a year ago Uh took out took down a 150 year old oak tree and damaged my roof so I got the insurance to come out they said oh yeah we're going to give you this money they gave me money Get the roofers to come out. I can't get anybody to fix it. Yep. Nobody no. in town will fix it. Uh-uh. I got the big names to come in, mm-hmm. and they won't even set foot in my lawn. I saw them a block away <laughs> oh, with <yeah>. binoculars. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. Right. I saw them we're sneaking around with binoculars. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't want me to know that they were looking at my roof, and I right. never heard back from them again. Wow. Yeah, mm. it's crazy. So. I guess that's my is problem. That, is that
0: just because it's terracotta? Is that what you're dealing with? People that
4: don't know how to deal with terracotta, or I, I think one, they don't know how to deal with it. Two, they don't know where to find it because there's only a few manufacturers. There's a guy who's hoarding it in Florence, and he's charging a hundred dollars per tile to mm. replace a tile. Ouch! Wow. Okay. Um, Good business for you get it. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, but but I, he and I had. I don't, I don't want to get into it. But right, yeah. We won't be using him. Right. <laughs> um, so, you may have
1: to go with commercial. Find you a commercial roofer. That Because I know, there not there terracotta tile out yeah, there on Highland Colony? Me, well,
4: here's let me, the, here's let the let the me catch, look though. into that
2: a little bit, Andrew, but yeah. The, I the I house
4: make. is on the historical registry, though, so I can't just put... Any really right. like, right. well, right. really oh. t- It's got to right. be the exact. last. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a nightmare. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah, kinda, it sounds like it. Yeah. I got a
0: friend that lives in New Orleans that's dealt with that his entire yeah. life, dealing with a historical property in New Orleans that, that he can only do so much on. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah,
1: they'll make it. They'll make it fun. I tell you something else on that terracotta roof, and I've I've had this happen before. Is that those son of a guns are heavy. Mm-hmm. And so I got up in the attic of one that had that terracotta roof, and the valley, what do you call those things, Jeff? The valley joist or whatever, at the base of the you know, mm-hmm. runs, mm-hmm. makes that length. Mm-hmm. They were all, sagging. they were splitting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: yeah. They needed, they needed a lot more bracing. Yeah, wow. yeah. so
1: if it's Spooky. old, 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 you want to yeah. check your
4: bracing. Oh, yeah. My on... bracing is not split, but it's got a nice curve, curve to it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you okay. may
1: want to get somebody well, to take a look at that pretty yeah. quick. Yeah,
2: let's just hope we don't get a snow load.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> Number <laughs> calls, 877-MPB-RING. um. I uh, want to go ahead and get to an email, because this one, we had, what was the name of the gentleman that was in, uh, with the cabinetry? Oh, uh, um, gosh.
2: I
3: mean, Carlos, Carlos? With the Carlos. kitchen stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He,
2: yeah. He, he called me last week, actually.
0: Yeah, which Carlos. Was, yeah. um, well, I've got an email here that came in, and I'm assuming it came from that show, but it's still a great question. Uh, it's a little big, but I'm going to let you guys give it a shot. I want to paint my 30-year-old kitchen cabinets, which have varnish on them. Uh, can you give me step-by-step instructions? Please, your show's my favorite on MPB. Oh, boy.
1: Oh, thank you. Good
0: way to suck up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. You know what? I, I did paint my cabinets. Uh, the, the thing that I can say was, one are the hardest things you can do when you're, when you're doing your cabinets? to me, To me, do not paint it with the door on. You've got to take the door off of there. Uh, you've got to take the hinges and stuff off, okay, so that so that uh, you know you don't want to paint over hinges and do all that jazz. So take those things off, and then what you have, if you take the door off, what you have is a flat surface, which you can put on another flat surface to sand it, and it makes it a lot easier with all the doors off. And then you can paint the cabinets after you've done all the sanding. The varnish is the thing that she's worried about. But what you've really got to do is just rough that up. Well, well and then you're going to
1: gonna be cussing when you try to figure out need, which door goes where and which hinge to, goes where. <laughs>
2: well, that no, that that that's easy. Yeah, I mark <laughs> well, mine. Yeah, yeah just mark yeah. it behind the
0: hinge. I put a little piece of tape. Well, you can do that,
2: out. or take a take a a uh, sharpie and take your hinge off and and write. On the back of that, where that door goes, and, then, left. and then write right. that on your style.
1: So, yeah, but yeah. let's tell the listeners to do that because when I was doing oh, mine thirty no, it's years a ago, right, I didn't do that, right. okay. and yeah.
0: it was a nightmare. Doors never go on the same twice. No, no. no. never, never, never. So don't, especially don't, with that paint you, on there. Your 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 step by step is prep, prep. And more prep, and more right, prep. yeah. No, mm-hmm. oh, it's it's a nightmare. Well, it yeah. won't take any. Uh, I know this sounds crazy. It doesn't take any time to paint cabinets. No. The painting cabinets doesn't take any time. It literally is getting those cabinets ready. And yeah. if you do have old varnish, I can say this: in any kitchen that is that old, even if you clean it regularly. There's gunk in there. There's stuff in there you're going to have to clean off. And some of it's just going to have to sand off. It won't clean great.
1: What is that cleaner? The, it's an orange, orange pinkish TSP,
3: orange oh. TSP?
1: I'm not sure. That you use to clean those. And then, Jeff, what's the stuff that you paint on where you don't have to sand it?
2: Well, you can use a sanding sealer. Right, Um, but but, there's
1: something. It's the same thing you use on paneling. If you're going to a
2: deglazer, something. um, Look, it's there. There's no there's no magic pill. Yeah. um,
0: Let me give you part of a magic pill. Uh, A a small orbital sander can save your life here. Yeah. Um, If you and a small orbital sander. Are the ones that are made that, that are like palm size mm-hmm. and and the actual sander on the bottom and it's say around five inches, but it can make quick work of sanding things yeah. like lacquer off.
1: Now, are you talking about the one that spins? The, yeah, the little well, yeah. I would never put that on my cabinets. Well, because you're going to cut a if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to cut a. I would use a palm sander. Uh huh. That vibrates back and forth. Yes. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't use an orbital sander, especially on soft wood, because all you're going to do is create divots. Okay.
0: Be- better tip than mine. All right. Um I'm other I'm just thoughts? speaking
1: from experience. <laughs> no, that's
0: cool. I'll vouch for that. Yeah, yeah all the mistakes I've made. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you guys go hard on your orbital sander. Well, I have a
1: question about my lawnmower. Is now the time I can ask Andrew about that?
0: Fine. Only if we had a
2: lawnmower guy. Right. <laughs> oh, no. hey, Andrew. Oh, okay, Andrew.
1: So um, I was pulling mine out the other – I have a lawn service that does the outside of my fence, but I don't let anybody touch anything on the inside. (laughs) So I pulled that lawnmower out, and I tried to crank it. It wouldn't crank.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. It's
4: bad. you (laughs) to (laughs) know. When was the last time it ran?
1: A couple of weeks ago.
4: All right. Did you have any issues with it when you last ran it? No. Have you put any gas into it since you last ran it?
1: Well, it wouldn't crank, and so then I did put some gas in it, and my gas is new. I had shook it up and make sure that it wasn't the old gas mm-hmm. from last year.
4: Usually when a customer brings me something that's run as recently as a, a week or two ago, it's almost always water in the gas. That's the first thing really? I would check. Yeah, I would drain your carburetor bowl if you feel up to it. Try that. And if that doesn't work, I check the spark plug. Um, but. If, if you had told me it ran last year, I'd say carburetor, but if it ran a week ago, I'd say water in the gas. and Water in the gas. Yeah, and it's so common. People are like, oh, no, no, this is brand new gas. I just got it. But I'm really weird about how I get my gas, how I store my gas, how I mix my gas, and I get water in my gas. So I know I'm doing everything right sometimes, and I'll... I'll have water in it. So it comes from the gas station there. The gas is stored underground. Water finds its way in there. And depending on what time of the day you get your gas, like say a fuel truck just came and refilled the tank. Well, now all that water is in suspension. And then you you pump it up into your can and it settles down into the bottom. And when you pour it, your can's upside down. So the first thing that goes into your fuel tank is water. And it's heavier than fuel, so the first place it goes is your carburetor because it's the lowest spot of your fuel system. So, it takes like two or three drops, and it can completely, really, yeah, completely stop. A so,
1: draining that carburetor, how do you how do you do that?
4: Um, There'll be depending on the model. It's usually a ten millimeter bolt with a washer on the underside of it. So, if you'll just get you a uh, box in wrench. 10 millimeter, loosen it up a few turns to where it starts dripping. Let it drip for maybe 30 seconds, then snug it back up. Don't over-tighten it. Wow, that's easier than it sounded. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. I was
1: thinking it would be this whole thing.
4: Well, the Briggs has a, a plastic carburetor that they use nowadays, and it's not quite as easy. you got to have an, a specialized tool, basically, to do that. Um, sure. So if that's what you got, you're probably just going to need to bring it to it's a shop. It's about
1: 12 or 15 years old. I your, can. Yours is
4: right on the cusp of, it could be either well
1: we're gonna I'm gonna try that and see okay, okay. if not I'm, I'll be at your place next week
4: <laughs> yeah now if you need to properly diagnose it do this get some starter fluid shoot it into the intake after you remove the air filter and if it starts up you know you've got a, a fuel delivery problem so it's either the fuel itself or the carburetor if it doesn't start up then I would look at the spark.
1: That's a good idea. Wow! Yeah, put this. Yeah, and I've actually I've done that before, and Mm -hmm. I've got some. Does that stuff go bad? What's the shelf life on that? (laughs) (laughs) I have used some
4: that's really old, and it still works. Okay. Yeah. And and if you're really cheap, you can get like a a cap, like a cap off a (laughs) bottle, put some fuel, some gas in it, and then pour it directly into the intake. You don't have to spray it; you can just pour it, and that'll sometimes work.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I've already
1: bought a new lawnmower, so
0: (laughs) okay. Well, now you get to I should have to-
1: called Andrew last week.
0: <laughs> it's time for us to take our first break of the hour. Today, we're taking your home improvement questions and taking lawnmower maintenance uh, or talking lawnmower maintenance with Andrew Hitchcock from Findrun Small Engine Repair. I got a neat story to tell you about the small engine repair kid in my neighborhood. When we come back, if you have a mower question or other small engine questions, join the show and give us a call at 877 MPB Ring. Eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, 877-672-7464 or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back.
3: Hey, this is Malcolm White. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week we talk with visual artists, musicians, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app.
0: You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pivas, ashy Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl and Licensed Contractor Jeff Simmons from Houseworks. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-877-877. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. I was going to tell you a story before the break about this kid that lives in my neighborhood. He's like 14. I don't know how he figured this out, but he did. So I guess he just started collecting lawnmowers that people were throwing away. And he got enough of them so that he started swapping parts and decks and engines and all this other stuff, so he's putting them back together and selling them to these people.
1: This is genius. <laughs> S- selling them back to the people who got them there.
0: <laughs> like, man, this kid's got a, you know, a bright future. Ahead he does.
1: Of That's awesome.
0: Now, Andrew, you said uh, you started out by uh, fixing up some mowers around the neighborhood.
4: Yeah, that's what, exactly what I did. I would uh, just—I joke around. I'd say it was for beer money, but I would go and find ones on the on the side of the road, fix right. them up, and and sell them. Started fixing them for my friends, and then it just kind of went from there. That's so mm-hmm. cool. That's so yeah. cool.
0: Um, okay, we—you uh, know—it's cool. If you don't know what we've been doing today, for most things in life, it's good to have a guy or a lady. You know, I'll call a guy. If that person reached guy or lady status, then they are to be trusted with a particular job or genre. And our guy, when it comes to small engine repair, is Andrew Hitchcock from and Small Engine Repair. So you want to call him if you want to know anything about those small engines around your home. Even uh, chainsaws, which I've learned that chainsaws have become a thing for you.
4: I hate them. Why oh, why,
0: why do you hate chainsaws?
4: <laughs> uh, well, Okay. Where do I start? They're like the most fun tool out there. They you? are. They're yeah. absolutely the most fun. Um, so chainsaw, and the most
1: dangerous. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. Uh, there's a million things that can go wrong with them that can keep them from running. So there's a lot of things you have to diagnose. There's a mm-hmm. lot of problem solving. Everything's in such a compact little package. It's, it's very time-consuming. to take them apart to put right. them back together. Um, the good brands like Husqvarna are still... Even Echo for some uh-huh. – you know, parts can be very difficult. Like if I have a still, a still saw and part uh-huh. breaks, I can't order one online. I can't even call the shop in town and get them to order me. I have to physically go into their location, pay, oh, nice. come back. Nice. And, and, you know, it's by design because they want you to just bring your saw to them and they'll right, fix it. Right, and right. they'll charge you whatever they want to. But anyway, I just I've, – I've pretty much gotten out of you're, fixing you're saws. Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. yeah. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Wes is uh, on the line in Mobile, and he's got a gas question. You with us, Wes?
3: Yes, I am. I've got some old gas that I stored up for use in a generator for one of the storms, and and I'm certain it's gone bad now. Do you have any suggestions about how you can or where you can dispose of that
0: uh, gas? Um, Can you bring it back to life?
4: uh, I don't know. You can't bring gas back to life. uh, if you had a large, well, I guess this goes for anybody that's listening. If you have a very large quantity, you could probably some find somebody with like a biofuel diesel, and they'll you can burn just about anything in that, even really old gas. So that would be my first option. If you've got a small amount, uh, I don't want to get in trouble with the EPA, but you <laughs> could use it to burn up some wood or something in a fire pit. You know, you could do that. Um, I know Jack the city of Jackson has a, a waste disposal day a hazardous waste disposal mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. gasoline mm-hmm. gas and oils would fall under that old paint you know chemicals with the labels off you have no idea right. what they are anymore um, you could do something like that um, and I don't think they charge you anything to do that either so that would be they another don't. option I
1: actually but you have, have to get it to them. Well, yeah, and they yeah. have specific days. And so, what I do is, I start a pile in my shop of my paints that I know I'm not going to use anymore, my gas or oil that's old. Uh-huh. And then, when that day comes, I just load it all in the back of my pickup and go. It's a it's an awesome enterprise. If you've never been to one of those, Come it's, on, Pam, it's pretty cool. Are you going to
0: actually say that you put the thing in your car and go that day and drop <laughs> it off? The rest of us put stuff in
4: our car to go to Goodwill and let it sit there for six weeks. I'm just imagining her. I'm just imagining Pam driving this car filled with explosives. (laughs) (laughs) You need like a a light that says "Stay back, three hundred feet." Really?
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't hit me. No, I put it in the back of my pickup. I've got a pickup with an
0: old pickup that I stick it in. Well, we know Andrew's here, and if we can make him uncomfortable, we will. So Raymond's online and Brookhaven with a chainsaw question. Raymond, you with us? Yes, I am. So why don't you go ahead and ask Andrew about the change hall.
3: Yes, sir. Uh, I have a Husqvarna 120 uh, that is obviously not fine uh, on the, uh, the spark plug. So how do I t- test the coil to see uh, if it's full?
4: Well, okay. So you're not getting any spark? No. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I, are you using a spark tester to make sure it's not just your plug?
3: Spark tester, mm-hmm. I don't have
4: that. Okay, you could carefully get a bolt about the size of a spark plug electrode, put it into the um, into the coil, you know where it where it would attach normally, and then ground that against the side of the engine and pull it over a few times. Make sure you don't touch the metal because that'll hurt. Um, <laughs> yes, make, see if you're getting will. a spark there, and if you're not. It's either the coil or the kill switch, the the electrical switch. So then what I would do from that point is I would probably take the electrical switch and bypass it completely. And then if you're still not getting a spark, I would say it's your coil at that point. Now, there are some ways you can test coils with a multimeter, um, but it gets really technical, and uh, each one's kind of different. So... Um, honestly if I were in your shoes I would probably just recommend buying a new coil um, you can probably get a Chinese one on Amazon or Ebay for next to nothing you know, like 20 bucks um, so just, I would just buy one anyway replace the coil replace the spark plug and you're probably going to be good to go at that point
3: cool
4: how do you bypass it is that what you asked Yes. Okay, well, on most models, the coil will have a wire that comes out of it, a small diameter wire, and that will run to your switch, and the way the switch usually works is when that wire makes a connection with the engine, that sends a kill signal, so you could disconnect the small diameter wire from the coil and then try turning it over, and if it still didn't spark, that's when I would say your coil is bad. Okay, so the uh, the
3: kill switch goes directly to...
4: Yes, sir. The the small diameter wire will go from the coil, then to the switch, and then it'll be grounded out on the engine somewhere. Okay, thank you. Yes, sir. Oh, wow.
0: That was about as deep as, you know.
1: Yeah, I didn't understand anything Not, they just no, said. Very few I, words. Yeah, there. I have no idea what right. they just said.
0: Okay. I, that's awesome, though, because that guy got his question answered. I
1: mean, I was fascinated by it, but I thought, I have no idea. You know, it's kind of like when you look at somebody, when the doctor's telling you something, you have no idea. No, what really. they just oh, yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll do that.
1: And that's how my clients look at me sometimes. Right. I'll be talking about something. And I'm like, they have no idea you what you I'm talking about. Lost this
0: guy. All right. Got a um, Jeff's falling asleep drooling on him over here. So I've got another question here. This. Uh, I heard your recent show on foundation issues, and I'm hoping you can steer me in the right direction. Oh, this this affects you too, Andrew. I own a 100-year-old brick house with a conventional foundation, and growing next to it is a large 40-year-old magnolia tree. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rural. The trunk is about nine feet in circumference <gasps> at its base. Oh boy! Wow. At its closest points, the base of the trunk is eight feet and ten feet from the house. My Ooh. goodness. Uh this is a healthy tree that towers over the house. I plan to have the limbs of this tree trimmed back off the off of the house, but I'm wondering if the shri- if the tree should be cut down. My questions are number one, should I be concerned about this tree damaging my house's foundation?. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, <laughs>
4: That's a I'm, sorry.
0: I'm sorry.
2: I mean, this, this tree is how big at the base? Nine feet. Nine feet. And I'm worried about it affecting my foundation now? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. it, it's done all the damage it's going to do. It's going to do. That's a
1: good point. So if you cut it down and I, The you, last
2: thing I'm going to do is cut that tree you down. You and me really? both.
1: I'm leaving yeah. that tree right where that? Is it is. Why is that? Why would you say well, that?
2: Well... First of all, the tree's gorgeous, but... Yeah, uh, I mean... I, I don't think the tree is growing any bigger. Right. Okay. So it's not gonna the
0: problems aren't uh, going to
2: Yeah, end. no. I think if there is a foundation issue it is there now. Right. And and by cutting it down, I I don't I don't think you're gonna mitigate it. Um, right. I think you leave it where it is and
0: you deal with it. And you and deal a, with it. And the beauty of it is it's a conventional foundation, so it can be dealt with. Yeah, sure. you could sure. come under
1: there with, with these new screw pylons where you can just make the adjustments because right. it's going to be affected during the, a drought because the tree's yeah. going to sap all the moisture out yep. of the ground, mm-hmm. and right. it's going to kind of probably cause the house to dip at right. that point. But I'm with Jeff. It, keep Think about this. If you cut that tree down... And you grind that stump. What have you done? You have created a hole <laughs> next right. to your foundation. Yeah. Okay? So mm. now you've got a, and because what you see above ground is what's going on underground.
0: Right. Right. You Just got as, as
1: You've got as much stuff going on down there. And if you grind that up, if you don't mud fill and backfill all of that, and even if you do, you're going to create cavities.
0: Interesting. I didn't think about and the And the
1: water's going to go to those cavities. And then you're going to have more swelling because all that subsurface groundwater is going to go straight towards that point. Right. And now the house, I'd much have, rather have a house that's sinking than bulging. Right. Okay. A foundation. Because if it's sinking, I can jack it up. If it's bulging, I got it there's a longer process with right. trying to get the water away so it'll sit back down again. Right.
0: Well, so I guess for this uh for this uh for David who sent the email, sounds like you leave that tree there. I leave the tree. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what, uh, let's go ahead and take our second break. Liz is on the line in Moselle. We'll talk to her right after. So um, it is time. And uh, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at org. We'll continue our discussion after the break. Listeners, what problems are you having with your lawnmower or weed eater? Or, well, no, forget the chainsaws. Call us at 877-MPB-RING. We'll be right back.
4: Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.
0: You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, actually certified inspector and inspect it like a girl, and licensed contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. And our guest for the hour is Andrew Hitchcock from Fondren Small Engine Repair. If you missed any of today's program, you can always listen back by podcast using any podcast app or our MPB public media app. Okay, let's go to Liz and Moselle about her mower. What's going on, Liz?
3: Uh, hi. Um, at my lawnmower, it will it will start on the first crank, just beautiful, and then it dies right away. What do I do?
4: All right, I'm going to go through my diagnosis like I did with Pam. So when did this problem begin?
3: Uh, about a week ago. Before that, I had to... Uh, the the gas was old and i had to you know drain it and put in fresh gas and and it ran beautifully at that time but
4: okay not, so you, you know. said just a couple of weeks ago it was running perfectly before you put the new gas in
3: yes okay oh, I'll tell you what the, the 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 thing is a beast it's wonderful but it you know it, it won't go now
4: yeah <laughs> Um, I would say same thing. I told Pam it's probably water in your gas.
3: Well, but why would it start at all on the first crank if that if that would be the case?
4: Well, that's a good question. You've got two. You've got two jets in the carburetor. There's a main jet and a pilot jet. And sometimes you'll get gas that pulls into the engine when you start it up, and you'll get it like a good startup jet. Basically, you have a jet for starting and a jet for running. That's the way I kind of hmm. look at it. Um, so sometimes the starting jet will work fine, but the running jet's clogged. I, ha- I have another uh, another thought. This this something similar
0: happened to me on my mower. And this is a, the mower that I have is uh, it's a Toro with a collar, and 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 it runs. You know, like you said, Liz, this thing fires up every time, first time. Uh, what I did notice was it was sputtering and trying too hard, and it, it was just terrible. And eventually, it would cut off. What I finally realized was there's a couple of spots in my yard that don't actually have grass. So when it doesn't rain for a while, these become very dusty. Uh, I took my air filter off and banged it on the ground about 15 times. I was floored at all the junk that came Mm -hmm. out of my I I can't believe the thing started in the first place. So one of the things I did, I I banged it. It never got like I liked it. But you can go by... Just about any store um, that that sells these little parts on the side, and they have a, a an air filter. It will be a brand new, clean it, air filter.
3: My, my, my filter is nice and clean, and oh, my, okay. my my plug is brand new. Liz, how about a, well, how no, how about a fuel, fuel filter? Brand new, but it's so nice. We got them already.
4: Liz, what what I, what I would do, Liz? You need to do some more digging, some diagnosing. So. If you feel up to it, what I would do is get some starter fluid. Take your air filter off. Spray a spray of starter fluid into that hole. If you've got a, like a a friend or a family member, you be in charge of the starter fluid. They can be in charge of cranking. You know, pulling on the recoil starter, pulling on the rope to get it started. So what you do is you spray some of that starter fluid. Get them to pull it, and it should start up. Now. As soon as you start to hear the engine start to die, spray some more starter fluid in it. And if you can keep the engine going with starter fluid alone, then you know you're not getting you're not getting any fuel into your engine. So that from there you can either determine if it's water in your gas or if it's your carburetor. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah, it might be uh just uh, an old fuel line
4: too. Yeah they can it's possible sometimes they can oxidize or the rubber can break down or disintegrate and it can find its way into a jet certainly Mm -hmm.
0: right also sometimes those uh, uh well also i've seen some of those things uh as you said oxidize i've seen the um the clear ones get get um cracks in them like they'll they'll air will be able mm-hmm. to get in and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, the dry rot. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. dry rot. Um, okay, let's keep moving. Liz, I hope that helps you out. Go ahead and follow those steps from Andrew, and uh, I'm sure it would be further along.
3: Okay, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank You're you.
0: Welcome. Okay, let's uh, let's keep on moving. We've got, um, who's next on the line? Let's go to Tom in Mobile. What's up, Tom?
3: Okay, i got several power tools that sped up over winter with gasoline in them, and now they won't start. What's the best way to clean
4: out the carburetors? Uh, it's a loaded question. It depends on what kind of power tools you got. Damestile, trimmer,
3: stuff like that.
4: Well, uh, if, okay, if you've got a small two-cycle piece of equipment that has like a primer bulb, what I have found to work sometimes is you can dump the gas out of the tank, and then you can prime it a few times, and that'll empty out the fuel out of the fuel system. And then dump that out, because it'll prime it and circulate it back into the fuel tank. Huh. Then put some fresh gas in there and prime it again, circulate the new stuff through the system, and that might work. And you can use uh, a product called Seafoam. It's mm-hmm. a, you can about an auto parts store, a big box store. You can put a cap full of that, and that'll kind of clean out the arteries, as I like to say it. Right. Um so I would try that first. And if it doesn't work, unfortunately, you probably need a carburetor job at that point. And, Tom, that's if not that big of a deal. Pro- yeah,
3: if you don't have a primer bulb, go to tools. Um, new carburetor?
4: Um, well, like some tra- chainsaws don't have primers. So at that point, I would empty it out, you know, and then I would just start trying to turn the chainsaw over because that will it's got an impulse line, which kind of acts as a primer. Uh, and that'll pull fresh fuel into the system. So I would try that. Um, but, yeah, if you've, if you've drained everything out, primed everything, and you still can't get it to start, you may have a carburetor issue. Um, I would go ahead and confirm that, though, with some starter fluid, making sure it starts up with starter fluid. And if it does start up, then, again, you know you've got a fuel delivery problem.
3: Okay, that's a good idea. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you Yeah, you're
0: welcome. Much. Thanks, Tom. We appreciate it. Let's keep on going. Cynthia in Oxford with a cleaning runner, uh, cleaner running mower. What's going on, Cynthia?
3: Hi. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about uh electric mower in my future. But in the meantime, how can I get the gas mower to run cleaner so it's not quite so, you know, smelly? Uh,
4: there's really nothing you can do, uh, unfortunately. The older mowers... Um, didn't care so much about <clears throat> clean running and uh, age also plays a big role in that now you could get I guess you know some of these nicer gas stations like Shell and Exxon advertise <clears throat> gasolines with detergents in them right. Um, right. I don't think that's gonna make a really big difference though but by nature they're <laughs> not the tolerances in these engines are really wide and uh, they're gonna smoke they're gonna right. be smelly um, if you're concerned about the environment, you need to stop using one. Right, and go <laughs> electric. Well, go to yeah. the
1: electric, and I just bought an electric mower. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine had gotten one up in Little Rock, and we were talking, and I said, well, the next time mine doesn't work, and two weeks later, I couldn't get mine to start, so I went and bought one, and I'm telling you, it was incredible.
0: Well, let, let me it ask was you. quiet. Did you get it with batteries?
1: Yeah, it's with okay. one big, enormous battery that slips down right. in the in the front, and it says to charge it outside, but to store it inside. Once again, folks, read those manufacturer specifications. Right. <laughs> and it says to keep the battery; don't leave it in your shop or outside right. that's because
0: that's the lithium ion, the, the right.
1: humidity, and whatever will.
0: We
2: are currently rebuilding a. A house in Ridgeland uh, that caught on fire from charging a battery.
1: Charging what a
0: battery. Kind of battery? Yeah. What kind of battery? What uh,
2: If I said I would be guessing, but it was a yard tool battery. Mm. Oh wow! And uh, don't
1: leave those batteries yeah, on there.
2: Well, get them they, charged. They, yeah, char- and then unplug them. And then unplug and, them. And I think what happened was it was left plugged and. Uh,
0: over a so, long and, period of time, and consequently, something to remember, really. Yeah. something to think about when you have those tools, lithium-ion. Well, yeah. We are learning more and more.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, eventually, you know, we're we're going to have a lot more battery-operated tools and yeah. cars and whatever else. So, we need to educate the general mm-hmm. public yeah. on how to treat these. Yes, Charge them uh, up and then
1: take the battery off and then look at your manufacturer specs. I'll tell you what, though. I got an awesome clean cut. It was quiet. I could Mm -hmm. hear the birds while I'm cutting my grass. Mm -hmm. And then it didn't even drain that battery 1%. For wow. the amount that I'm, you hmm. know, I'm not doing a ton. That's interesting. Yeah, it was because uh, I kept thinking, that was my big question. How long is it going to last? And I was very pleased with it. And let me tell you this, the older I get, the uh-huh. harder it is to pull that cord.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and all I had to do was compress the handle and hit a button, and it fired hmm. right up. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm in love. <laughs> I'll
4: make two comments, though. First, I, I want to clarify that newer mowers... They are a lot more fuel-efficient and clean-burning than an old mower. So oh, if you yeah. go into the hardware store and buy a new Honda, right. it's going to be a lot cleaner. No smoke or anything. Right. Now, the other comment I have is about electric mowers. They're great, but if something goes wrong with that thing, good luck trying to find right. somebody find that somebody. can work that on it. The That's the thing only I thing. Yeah. I don't know. They're they're at, I think they're disposable at that point, unless well, you, you can, can find, fix it you know, yourself. An,
1: yeah, there was an extended warranty, and I went ahead and got that. So I've got a three-year cover on it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the chance I was willing Mm -hmm. to take on it. Because I really wanted to try that. Because I just don't like the... To be honest, I don't like the noise. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, consider yourself an early adopter. And that way we can use you as our pin cushion to see how this works out. Right, so
1: we have an Andrew in on a regular basis, so we can check in on this crazy mower to see how it's doing. So far, so good. One Mm. use, though.
0: All right, Uh, let's go to John Immobile real quick. He's got another lawnmower question. John, are you with us?
3: Yes, I am. Um, uh, I confess to being um, stubborn and cheap, and I've got a a Honda HRX 215, as nearly as I can uh, determine, self-propelling lawnmower that 's at least twenty five years old nice <laughs> and um, i don 't want to push the thing to the curb because then i 'm uh, you know looking at like about four hundred dollars expense for a new one, and I might be getting rid of uh, a very good mower, which uh, I read once was uh, commercial grade and it 's self propelled and uh, the um, well anyway, to get to the problem. It's hard to start. When it does start, it no longer has a range of speeds at which you can adjust it. It's one speed, and the exhaust is a little bit uh, dark, um, and I can still mow with it, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it seems like it's on its way out, but I don't want to give up on it yet. I've taken it to two different commercial places, and uh, the third one said, we don't do mowers anymore. And um, the neighborhood guy who cuts yards around here uh, was the one who got it starting again by bending things uh, on the side of the engine and stuff so it'll work. (laughs) Is there anything that'll get this thing back to... running with a range of speeds i mean it was powerful
0: you keep firearms in your
4: house because you may need to kill this one (laughs) (laughs) it's only 25 years old it's only
0: 25 (laughs) (laughs) It,
4: (laughs) it does sound like it's on its way out um but i would if i were in your shoes i'd probably i'd probably keep going with it um the The difficulty to start and the single speed, the single RPM range it likes to run in, those are both carburetor related. So, um, if you're handy, I would recommend buying a cheap Chinese carburetor off the internet. Uh, I bought one this week, like twelve dollars shipped. That'll solve both of those problems for you. The smoking, though, is probably an indication of the cylinder health, and that would be your rings are probably letting oil into the combustion chamber. So um, there's nothing you can do uh, unless you're willing to completely take it apart and put new rings and re-hone the cylinder. There's nothing you're going to be able to do to solve that. Um, I would stay on top of oil changes, though, make sure your oil is clean. You could use a higher viscosity, you know, a higher weight oil, which would help oil consumption for sure. Um, And then if you are getting smoke, it means you're getting carbon buildup in your cylinder, including on your spark plug. So I would probably recommend replacing the spark plug as well. And that would, I think, make all your problems go away except for the burning oil issue. Okay, if not, get yourself a little, uh, a little like, 5 by
0: 5 cemetery block and mark that it was once here. <laughs> and mow this on for 25 I, years. You
2: know, I, I'm impressed with John. I'm sitting here reflecting. I'm 60 years old, so I'm reflecting back on this. The very first lawnmower I ever purchased, I wish I still had. It, you remember the lawn boy? Oh, yeah. It was a green and it was a two-cycle. Did it
4: have three wheels? No. Okay. No,
2: it, it, it had four, but it was so nice because you could— tip it up it would it didn't matter it could be upside down that lawnmower was still running nice. right oh it, i, I wish, used
4: to have one of those it sounded gosh. like a dirt bike when yes. you started up. Uh, <laughs> i loved it like that in the yard that's the reason i bought it because yeah. i had dirt bikes yeah <laughs> it sounds they sound awesome so while i'm
2: cutting my grass i'm imagining i'm riding
4: Huh?
2: you know so oh well, that's cool yeah so john i'm i'm all i'm all with it man just Keep it going. Stay mm-hmm. with it.
1: Stay with it. Well, and see if I was a kid, I would have. I'd already have the thing taken apart. Oh, absolutely. I used to take stuff apart all the time. Okay. Now I, I take <sighs> pictures of everything as I take it apart, no, you're so cheating. I know because I, know, I can, can pick it back together. Because I took some stuff apart and you, mm,
0: mm, I replaced mm. a carburetor on a generator one time, just as Andrew had told me to on this show. And I literally ordered it from Amazon, like you said. It was like 20 bucks. And put it on my. I thought it was going to be a deal. It's not a deal. It was three screws. It was not a deal. It was not a big deal at all. You and could change it, that, And then it worked. And then it worked. Yeah. As it, long as
1: there's a happy ending. Yeah, there. no,
0: I mean, it was literally change it, crank it, now it works. Now it works. It, it, it I different. love
1: that feeling. Don't yeah. you love that feeling Maybe. whenever you can do something on your that DIY project and you step back and you go, oh, wow, I did that. Here's mm-hmm.
0: one where you can make a difference here, okay? Pam, this is right up your alley. We finally got central air conditioning and cooling, or heating and cooling. Yay. Now we need to fix the hole in the wall where the old air conditioning was. Uh, my husband thinks just leaving the A.C. in the wall is fine, of course, right? Just, let's not touch it i don't agree he's very handy worked in maintenance but now is uh disabled with his back what is the best fix for this hole in the wall because apparently she's decided that air conditioner is coming out um Are we talking a window unit yeah okay like a window unit what is the best way to fill this hole
1: well, you probably ought to check the wall underneath that air conditioning unit because it's probably rotted out all yeah, the two maybe. by four studs right. because of the water that's been dripping down in that wall all those years. So why don't you just put a door there?
0: Ooh, see, I
2: was—you're right. I'll well, was, do that. I was thinking um, window, but now you've got a issue on the outside. Yeah. Well. So.
1: Well, that's why I say a door. Just cut. Just cut you a door in there or a window.
0: Well, there you go. There's a couple of True. ideas there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay, All right, Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Mr. Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Liz Gill. For Pam Pivus, Jeff Sammons, and our guest Andrew Hitchcock from Finder and Small Engine Repair, I'm Jason Klein. Stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech with Jay White. And join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101 only on MPB Think Radio.